Good to have you. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. I'm excited. We got good stuff coming up today. Bottom of the hour, Tim Allen, host of the Baseball Postgame Show, is going to join us. And uh, we'll talk to him uh, with uh, some Brewers chatter. Packers still looking for their defensive coordinator and strength and conditioning coach. And um, you, you, uh, Kenny Clark named to the Pro Bowl. They cannot find a quarterback right now for the AFC side. Did you read that, Grant? What was that? I'm sorry. Did they I can't, read what? The, the AFC cannot find a quarterback for the AFC side of the Pro Bowl. Everybody's opting out. <laughs> no one wants to be in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, that's not a surprise. It's uh, I've said this all along, and they keep forcing it down people's throats, and I think it's stupid. Uh, first of all, it's now this big money event for them where they started on next Thursday. What is it, next Thursday night? I think they start it, and then it, it culminates uh, over the weekend. But they put them through the skills competition and dodgeball and, you know, whatever. It's It's kind of dumb. Because nobody wants to play in a, in a football game anymore. The pride of playing in a football game for your conference is gone. Uh, the minute guys got agents and the same guys under the same agency are scattered throughout the league, whether it's AFC or NFC, it doesn't matter. So you don't want to go up and hurt anybody in your agency. And not that you want to hurt anybody, but you don't want to play as physical. It really became kind of a joke. Guys that got hurt didn't want to return. Uh, quarterbacks didn't want to play. I've said all along, just do the Pro Bowl and or All-Pro honors, bring them to the site of the Super Bowl, and put them all at the NFL experience for stage work and Q&As and autograph signings and pay for their trip. That's it. Nothing more. I mean, I know they want to dole it out to these other cities, but maybe make the Pro Bowl available to every NFL city. It'd be great to have Pro Bowl weekend um, next weekend in Green Bay where you don't have to have 200,000 rooms available or anything like that. You you know, kind of a, a preview to the NFL draft. You know, you put, a, you put them on stages and such uh, around the rest center, inside the atrium, whatever, and you make them all available. And nobody's throwing footballs, nobody's – running through dodgeball courses or skills competitions, none of that. You just – all these guys earn the honor. You pay for them to go there. It's part, it's, it's, if you get voted in, it's mandatory. And, and if, if you've got, say, um, a roster bonus or something attached, a bonus of some kind attached to it, and you decide short of maybe a family emergency or really nursing an injury that you don't go, then you don't get the bonus. And you just say that's what it's predicated upon. You got to go. It's for more the fans than it is for you. It's your honor. You know, there's something that goes along with it, a plaque or whatever, whatever these guys want. You know, everybody wants money. We all know that. And then you go and you do an autograph signing. You take some pictures. Uh, you do some stage work. Like one day it's the AFC. The next day it's the NFC. It's two days worth of fun and festivities. And, and then call it a day. But this thing where we can't find a quarterback to be part of our flag football team is just dumb. I don't care. Maybe maybe young kids do. They like watching it, or watching it or something like that. But, you know, I can't remember the last time I could even begin to tell you that I went, oh, the Pro Bowl games are on. Let's do this. Let's sit down and watch it. I, I'd rather go slam an appendage in a car door than do that. 
No, I'm not. Just give these guys their honor, their dignity, and say we'd love to have you be a part of the Super Bowl weekend. You know, I, I can only imagine what it would be like uh, out at uh, out in Vegas for the NFL fan experience to have the complete Pro Bowl stage set up, and you bring them all in just like um, you know opening night. You bring them all in the week before, and everybody say on a Wednesday night or something to that effect, and everybody's there. You put them on a stage. You put them in, in different signing areas. They can sign some autographs, take a few pictures, support their sponsors, whatever it happens to be, and, and, and get on with it. But this whole thing, we, we can't find, oh, my God, we can't find a quarterback to play in the Pro Bowl. What Pro Bowl? It's, it's not a Pro Bowl. It's, it's going out and playing the kids' games that you used to play in the parking lot outside of your school. And you're trying to pay these guys to do it. And they don't give two dams about this. They don't want to do this. It's like, I, I'm, I'm sore. I'm tired. I want to go relax somewhere. Give me my money and let me get the hell out of here. And unfortunately, that's what it's come to. But that's what you have to deal with now. It, Am I wrong in this? Well, it used to be in Hawaii every year, right? right? I'm not misremembering. Do you think that – I feel like when they started putting it in Orlando, players were like, well, I can just, if I want to go to Orlando, and I can just go to Mexico right. or Cancun. I, I feel like the trip to Hawaii for the players and their family, I thought that was maybe part of the appeal. They went just that for was. that. You're 100% correct. That was part of the appeal. You are 100% correct. That's, that's why they did that. Was that, hey, we'll pay for you, your family, come on out. Put you up at these resort hotels right there on Waikiki and the beach. And, and man, it's, you know, go play a little football. But the, in the meantime, the family, the wife, the kids, they all get to play by the pool and hang out in the, uh, on the beach. And it's great. And not anymore. And then they started moving it around. I remember the first time they did it and they played the game the, uh, the weekend before was uh, Arizona out in Goodyear, uh, Arizona. Or uh, um, not Goodyear, but uh, – Oh, uh, not Chandler either. Whatever, whatever it was, but out in Arizona, at uh, State Farm Stadium. Oh, Glendale. Glendale, Arizona. Thank you very much. And it was fun. It was it was really fun. I remember because it was, God, it was Jordy Nelson, John Kuhn. Um, there was like five of them. Uh, Randall Cobb was there, Uh, but there was like five Packers there that year, and that was the year that we uh, got to uh, sit down with J.J. Watt. And it was, you know, the, the the press was on the field and the fans were, you know, and they were doing stadium sti- signings and stuff. And it was fun. It was cool to look at. That was the last – and the players picked the teams, if I remember. Uh, yeah, it was the first time you had the two celebrity coaches. And I thought it was great. It was it was a really festive atmosphere. And then they got away from that. Guys were like, oh, I'm not going to play in that. I don't want to do that. And So now here we are. Now, the Rose Bowl is a real game that's competitive, and I'm, I'm not comparing to the Pro Bowl to the Rose Bowl. But th- there might be a little bit of a parallel, and when the Pro Bowl was on, it was cool because Hawaii was part of it. It was part of the experience right. and part of the broadcast, and it had a little character, and you could at least have it on and be like, oh, Hawaii, that's it's beautiful, it's nice. And when you put it in Orlando, y- you lose that. And again, the Rose Bowl yep. is very different, but it, the locale is almost part of the broadcast in the game. Yep. Yep, the locale became part of it because they had the coaches in the Hawaiian shirts. They had the 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 scenery around the stadium. Uh, now, the other part of it was the stadium was starting to become dilapidated, and they uh, they said it couldn't support everything they needed to do um, electronically anymore. Which I I I think they went a little over the top on that, but that was part of it that they wanted that stadium renovated and. Uh, the city did not want to put a ton of money in the stadium. So, uh, okay, well, whatever. But regardless, I, 
it, now what they've reduced it to, it's like, just get on with it. Just forget it. It's, it's, it's gone. It's done. Just put these guys on a stage. Let them make their money. Let them get their accolades. Let the fans have access to them to where you can get some autographs and you can shake a hand, maybe take a picture. So that's it. Uh, 877-867-1670-877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Chuck says Roger Goodell wants to take it overseas. Let's move the Pro Bowl to London or Germany and broadcast it at 8 a.m. It wouldn't surprise me. And now they're talking about even expanding upon that. Uh, I, I understand you want mass appeal. I get it. You want to take the product there. They, you know, you've got, you've got basketball and such that's being played all over the world. You've got different leagues other than the NBA that are out there. And really, the NFL and now the UFL are really the only two f- pure football leagues that are football. Okay? I was short of college football. And you do want to take it to expand the world appeal for the marketing uh, capability. But it's like, come on, man. You've got cities that are, you know, kind of you got a knife to your throat. You either lose your team or you pay up. And then you're going to take a, a game away from these teams, away from these cities, and take it, take it to London, take it to Germany, move it all over for the sake of more money while you continue to hold the knife to the throats of the paying public that are right here in your own backyard. I, I've never been a big believer in that. Never been a big believer in that. So, anyway, uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, uh, by all means, 877-867-1670. You can find us. Coming up, bottom of the hour, Tim Allen, host of the Baseball Postgame Show. We're going to talk some Brewers off-season moves with him. Uh, always love talking to Tim, so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, John says, uh, hey, Bill, 100% agree the NFL is taking games overseas and giving money elsewhere and not really paying for the businesses around these stadiums that are losing money when they count upon that income. I think it's wrong, and I think it's lost revenue for many cities. Just look at a city like Green Bay, who depends so mightily on the almighty dollar for the Packers and the revenue that they bring in. John, one million percent agree. When you look at a place like Green Bay, I mean, the biggest business in Green Bay is the Packers, hands down. Hands down. In every facet. Not the, the Bay bars. Motel? Bay Motel is no. two, though, right? Well, the, the Bay Motel <laughs> would be number two. The Bay Motel, though, relies upon the Packers. If you're going to go there to say go to the Hall of Fame, if you're going to go to a game, if you're going to go for training camp, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, places like that. You know, Burkle's one block over where we went. They're would they they're not going to have anybody if, if it's not Packers game day or they don't have something incredibly special going on. And all of those bars in that area. All the houses, all the income that's brought in for people with, do you think the property values would be what they are if you didn't have uh, the Packers and now people that have realized, hey, I can buy these houses and turn them into to rental houses or renter properties for game days when they're making, you know, some of them are making 1500 bucks, some are making $15,000 for a weekend, depending on how many people you're going to shove in there and the party that you're going to have. So... Yeah, it's a huge, huge revenue deal for the city of Green Bay. And when you start yanking those games and taking them overseas, it's great for the NFL. The NFL's making money, but I don't see Roger Goodell walking through the door of Burkle's one block over or any other place over there, Stadium View, Kroll's, the bar, Andrews's, whatever. He's not walking in writing them a check going, how much did you lose? 
uh, you know, this weekend, was it, you know, twenty five, thirty five thousand dollars? Here you go. Here's a check for that. They're not doing that. That ain't happening. So completely agree with you. One hundred percent. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. When we come back, it's the controversy that's not going away. And this is not the time that you want to have controversy. I'll tell you what it is when we return. Stay right where you're at. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Northern Lights Event Venue Center. If you are looking for a place to hold a dinner, a place to hold a reception, a rehearsal dinner, uh, a meeting, a business meeting, maybe a photo shoot, whether it's you know for a board meeting, uh, a big charitable board meeting, or if you're going to do something for, say, your, your business, your corporate uh, entities, or if you're bringing people into town, Great place to hold an event. NorthernLightsEventVenue.com. Not only is it great uh, in the sense of it's got all the media capabilities you need, but it's also a venue that's got its full operational bar. They can cater in the food, and it's got an incredible view of the downtown Milwaukee Riverfront and Riverwalk. It's awesome. NorthernLightsEventVenue.com. That is NorthernLightsEventVenue.com. Get a hold of them and book it now. This is The Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hotel Casino. Ah, they're getting so close. You can you can smell it. Smell it. Uh, they have got uh, the new. I'm going to meet with them actually tomorrow. But uh, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, I'm going to get a chance to get a little bit of a glimpse as to how close they are to getting the new sports book done. I'm I'm excited about that. I really am. And uh, Pottawatomie Hotel Casino reminding you, you've got the Rock and Brews. You have got uh, the Dream Dance Steakhouse. Ryu, which is kind of the Asian fusion cuisine. You've got the Street Eats and all the different uh, restaurants that go along with that. They have got the 360 Bar. They've got Canal Street Cafe. They, there's so many different little bars, restaurants, places to get breakfast, places to get dinner, good food, beverages, awesome stuff. You've got slots, table games, bingos back, the sports book like I had mentioned. There's so much going on down there at uh, Potawatomi Hotel Casino. Oh, by the way, you can stay and play. Hotel is in the name. So uh, make a reservation. If you're nothing going on, nothing going on. If you want to go down and just be a part of the action, maybe you want to go down with your friends uh, next week, do a little betting on the Super Bowl, some of the prop bets and such. You can do all of that right down there, Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. The controversy that won't die. The controversy that won't die. Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Tucker feud not going away, and apparently nothing new. Mahomes, uh, days after he was involved with a bit of the altercation with uh, Tucker's uh, kicking apparatus, if you will, and their win over the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game, finally responded. According to Mahomes, he and Tucker have a bit of a history. He said, I've uh, had seven years of doing the same warm-up routine, and there's only been three occasions where a kicker wasn't necessarily moving out of the way. And it was Baltimore and Tucker all three times. It's, you know, Tucker insists on coming down to where the Kansas City Chiefs are warming up and getting in their way, 
because that's what he wants to do. And like I've said, I've, I don't remember other kickers coming down into other, you know, the other team's end zone and getting kind of in the way of their workouts. It's what they do. You know, it's what other teams do. Uh, Tucker's ball holder, he threw it out of the way when the two were trying to warm up ahead of the conference championship game, and that's well documented. It's on video now. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey got involved as well, and after Tucker set his helmet and two balls near the same spot on the goal line before Kelsey walked over and then threw everything off to the side, clearing the path for his quarterback, and rightfully so. Uh, Tucker, who has said it's normal for kickers to warm up in both end zones to get a feel for the stadium and the conditions, said he thought Mahomes and Kelsey were just having fun initially. He said, I've been doing the exact same thing for 12 years. Never had a problem with anybody. Uh, I saw Patrick there trying to warm up and get some dropbacks. He asked me while I was on the ground stretching if I could move my helmet. Happily got up, moved the helmet out of the way. At least I thought it was enough out of the way. And then Travis comes over and he just kicks my stuff, throws my helmet. Thought it was all just kind of a game and gamesmanship, all in good fun. But they seem to be talking about it a little bit more seriously now. Now Mahomes, however, said that he thought Tucker's moves were completely intentional. He does that to get under our skin. I've asked him to move his stuff before. He got up. He moves it, I think, just like two inches. But it really didn't move out of the way. Uh, I was going to let it slide, but Travis moved it for me, and that uh, was going to let him uh, put it back and was not going to let him put it back down there. I have a lot of respect for him as a player and as a kicker. He's one of the best kickers of all time, probably the best kicker of all time. At the same time, you got to have a respect for each team. We all share the same field, and we're trying to do our things in a respectful way. So there you go. And it continues to go on and on with a kicker, with a kicker. Now, like I said, I've seen kickers. Kickers go to the opposite end of the field. I've seen that happen. They go down there. But they don't do it necessarily. I mean, when they when kickers come out, they'll run down to one end of the field. Usually it's the opposite end of where your team is. And because it's it, not a lot of guys around on the field at that point in time. And you, you start out kicking. You'll go maybe 15, 20 yards and back and back and back. And you do a little bit of a warm-up, but you're usually doing it out of the way of the opposing team. You just do. I see this all the time. You just do. You don't get in their way. And apparently Tucker, especially at home, is the guy that wants to do it right in the middle of the field and even leaning a little bit over towards where the guys are warming up, and then he wants to do his stuff. And here's the other thing. If you're just stretching, which is apparently what Tucker was claiming he was doing, and getting ready and checking out the wind and everything, you can do that in the in the back of the end zone. You can do that over on the numbers opposite side. You can do that anywhere. Unless you're actually kicking, there's no reason to be taking up the middle of the field as a kicker for guys that are actually out there getting ready to work out. I, I'm sorry. I, and I know there's a lot of kickers that are probably going to could, could disagree with me. But stop it. Stop it. Go. You can stretch your leg. You can go warm up. You can do it on your sideline. You can kick into a net. You can check out the wind. You can stand under the goalpost. You can get a feel for it, all that stuff. You don't need to get in the other team's way. You know, and, and I hate to say it, but you're a kicker, dude. That's it. Simple as that. 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up. And then... Uh, speaking of teams that are in the Super Bowl, and I wish the Packers were, but the quarterback that went toe-to-toe and took advantage of his moments was Brock Purdy. He went up against uh, you know Jordan Love, and then obviously he went up against Jared Goff, and uh, didn't have great games, 
but hung with it and made plays when they needed to. And we were asking about this on Monday, and I kept saying, who is the woman in, like, the maroon leather top? Uh, and, and here's the one thing about her in this interview. You got to see it. She's like a 20-year-old. She keeps flipping the hair back and, and just, you know, it's like, oh, my God, just stop. But she does kind of give the Cliff Notes version of the expeditiousness coming out of Iowa State to the draft and then taking over as the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers and ultimately now going to a Super Bowl. She does give you a little bit of the Cliff Notes version of that story. This is Brock Purdy's mom. Brock Purdy's mom talking about her son and the journey getting from, you know, out of Iowa State to where they are today. You know, how proud a mother are you right now? You know what? You're going to make me cry. It's, it's unbelievable. The story's been fun. The fans have been amazing. San Francisco, I mean, is awesome. And I feel like Iowa State and the coaching staff, I mean, everybody there got him prepared for the draft and to get where he is today. And we're a, a loving, supporting family, and we'll go travel for him and all of our kids. And I just feel blessed. Like, it's his second year, and here we are. We're going to the Super Bowl. It's, like, amazing. He's just turned 24 years old. And you know what? Not because he's mine, but he's a humble, down-to-earth, kind person. He loves the Lord. He loves the fans. He loves his coaches. Like, he's just this great kid that loves everybody around him and supports him, and it's been amazing. So, thank you. Well, it sounds like you instilled some great morals and values inside of him. One of the things I wanted to ask, you mentioned the draft. Obviously, the story's been told a million times of him being the last pick and now heading to the Super Bowl. What does that say just about his overall grit, uh, courage, and just his uh, resiliency to make it to where he's at? You know what? He's always loved football, and he's one of those kids where, hey, Brock, what are you going to do if you don't have a backup plan? He's like, Mom, I'm going to play football. And the day of draft, a lot of people don't know this, but he was mad at me because, Mom, I might go free agent. I might not get drafted. And I go, but what if you do get drafted? I'm going to have a party. The whole town and the whole state set knows if you get drafted, everyone's to bring food, whatever, pizza, we're going to celebrate. And if you don't, nobody's going to come. And sure enough, he was the last pick. And within 30 minutes, I had 150 people at our house celebrating because he's a small town boy and he got drafted. So it didn't matter, first, last, or whatever. And then the Mr. Irrelevant has been an awesome blessing in our life. The family who put that together and we got to spend a week with them. It's just been a whole amazing God bless sense. So, yeah, it's been fun. Out of all the moments you spent with Brock throughout your life, where does this moment right here, where does this rank? Top five, maybe. Yeah, top five. Because his goal was to play football, and now he's going to the Super Bowl. And I'm not going to lie, it, it's, it's up there. There's other moments, but this is a fun, screaming, like, oh, my God, he did it, the Niners did it. And we're going to the Super Bowl. What's one thing you could tell all 49er fans about Brock that no one else knows? Oh, gosh, that nobody else knows. Um, God, um, Brock doesn't like mustard. <laughs> so if you ever go anywhere and you put mustard on his hamburger, he won't eat it. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, there you go. But he's amazing. So thank you, guys. And all of you guys and the fans have been amazing and once a week if i'm not crying my husband's crying our daughter somebody's crying because so many people around the nation have been so sweet and amazing to our family so i'm going to say thank you to everybody for your love and support and god bless you all there you go that was uh, brock purdy's mom after the ball game let's do this we're going to go ahead and take a quick break when we come back tim allen host of the baseball postgame show he is going to join us stay tuned we got a whole lot more of the bill michael show coming up
right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back, the Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on today. Hopefully you're uh, having a good day today. Stuff, a lot of good stuff today, as a matter of fact. And uh, even though we're in the midst of uh, a hunt for a defensive coordinator and you're trying to find, you know, additional players to get the Packers that much better, uh, it is, um, you know, there's a little bit of baseball uh, that's going on right now. And, the, the you know, Brewers obviously – Signing Hoskins and uh, trying to make some moves there. Our guy Tim Allen, host of the baseball postgame show in Milwaukee on 97.3 The Game, joining us now on the hotline. Tim, how you been, buddy? What's happening, Bill Michaels? Always a pleasure. Oh, What's going on? How you been this offseason? Gosh, um, I, you know, the first few weeks are like, oh, decompress, disappointment, and then then you get to thinking about winter meetings and GM meetings, and then you pitchers and catchers, and the countdown is on. Well, now you get to the point where, you know, a guy like, and we'll get to that, Reese Hoskins. So you see the signing, you see them not moving a couple of players, and you're like, whoa, wait a second mm-hmm. here. I'm a little fired up now. Well, obviously, I squeeze in my Vegas trip and destroy my body. Uh, I've been there twice in this off season, so I needed to. Uh, escape with some alcohol and gambling yeah right uh which i think uh we're going to do a little bit of when we head out to super bowl which is going to give us a little taste of that and obviously get us ready for when we return and pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting tim the, the the signing of hoskins how excited are you about that let's start there my goodness um okay so reese hoskins he debuted in the big leagues in august of 2017 since then uh, fourth in the National League in home runs, fourth in the National League in RBIs, fourth in extra base hits in the NL, fifth in total walks, seventh in total bases, eighth in doubles. This is all of the National League. So as much as we've griped and complained about, you know, manufacture some runs and do a little bunting and hit behind a runner and steal bases, and um, this is a guy you really don't need to do that with. Uh, he's a guy that you're just going to plant in there, and he's going to produce. Now, again, he's coming off the ACL last year. He missed the the entire season. But, man, um, you, you talk about a tailor-made offensive weapon. That's exactly what they got. They got exactly what, what was needed with this offense. I am excited to see what he offers, but I, I lo- there's so many good things about this, I, Tim, that I think are relatively quiet. I think, first and foremost, you've got a plethora of talent in the outfield. I, I think it starts there. Then I think the pitching staff is, you know, obviously not having Brandon Woodruff around. That, that hurts, but I think the pitching staff is pretty good. I think their bullpen is pretty good. But I'm excited about a lot of the depth that they have. And you look at a guy like William Contreras, who they picked up last year, and I, you talk about a find and getting the most out of that particular move as well, which was fantastic. I, I'm really optimistic. I, I think it maybe you know, I keep picturing the, the movie Major League when he's like, it's all coming together. I, I kind of get the it's all coming yeah. together feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's right on. You're, you're right on. And you mentioned William Contreras. Okay, so um, – 
you bring in Reese Hoskins, what it really did immediately um, would would be to say that they're not rebooting here because they wouldn't sign a guy potentially, you know, thirty four million dollar guy or upwards, uh, you know, in in that margin. Uh, for the couple of years now, again, I'm I'm assuming that uh, Reese Hoskins is going to have a good good year, and he'll probably opt out. But that's that's still, you know, that's a big that's a big fine. So what it did was it said, okay, we'll we'll pop Reese in there, one of the better hitters in the in the NL. He's going to be right next to William Contreras. You know what you get out of guys like Willie Adamas and and Christian Yelich. Now those two guys again maligned at times, and we want more out of those guys. But at least there's a foundation of offense that you can rely on. Is Christian Yelich bad? No. He's a good baseball player. He, he produces. He gets on base. He scores runs. Um, is he 2018-19? Christian Yelich? No, he's not. Forget about the money part of it. Are you overpaying for the numbers that he's putting out? Well, we could have that conversation for sure. But the foundation of offensive talent here with Adamas, Yelich, Contreras, and now Reese Hoskins. Okay, there's four, you're nine. Now let, think about this, Bill. You have Freelich, Churio, uh, Garrett Mitchell, and then if they go with Tyler Black, the young third baseman. So out of those four high-end prospects, if only two of those hit, if just two of them make the mark, pick any two, it doesn't matter which two, Coupled with the four offensive weapons that I just told you about, add two to that plethora of four, you have six in that lineup that are going to do some damage. They will not be at the lower part of the offensive stats uh, in, in the team column at the end of the season if two of those young players turn out to be good. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what which guy turns out. What do you do? With a guy like Joey Weimer, Joey Weimer last year proved that he can play defense as well as anybody in the in the in the uh, MLB. But his bat and that whole funky rhythm of what he did prior to it—did they send him away to some kind of a batting clinic and say, "Dude, clean it all up and see what you yes. can do"? Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly what they did, and and also it came from within too. We knew, and and I was talking to some baseball people about this uh, last year that. My goodness, look at all the movement with Joey Weimer in, in the batter's box. Look at his setup. Look at this. There's just too much wiggle and movement. Now, we all agreed that within two years, you, you do a side-by-side -side video of mm -hmm. him in the batter's box, you're going to see a distinct difference. And I, I think he needs to do that. I wouldn't rule out that he's a fourth or fifth outfielder. He's got some wheels, as you know. He plays one hell of a a defense. Um, it wouldn't surprise me that it's a, a Weimer and a, and a Blake Perkins that break camp in that outfield as depth because Tyrone Taylor's not here anymore. So you, you had that four or five guy penciled in just about every year. But now with Weimer, hey, if he settles down in the batter's box, I think he still can be a productive uh, MLB player for sure. I because I I love the fact that he can he can just cover so much ground. Now, does he suddenly become, or does any one of these guys, Tim, suddenly become trade bait because there is such a plethora of talent for the outfield and they're not done? You would assume because they've still got to fill in that third base spot unless you think they've got somebody that they know is going to anchor third base and give you a little bit of pop. Well, you have the crystal ball in front of you, Bill, because the the signing of Reese Hoskins also tells you 
that they're they're probably not done. They, they've always been known to just wait this thing out, grab the guy late in camp or in camp, even when you take a look at you know some of the players that they brought in, Darren Ruffs of the world and things like that. There are some third basemen out there, most of which, believe it or not, as free agents. Now, that doesn't mean they can't make, make a move via trade. But the, the, some of the third basemen out there have been former Brewers. So guys like Mike Moustakis kicked around, um, Gene Segura. There's always Brian Anderson. I don't. That didn't work out real well. How about Eduardo Escobar? It mm-hmm. the Hoskins signing told you that. My goodness. Now it does beg the dream, though, doesn't it? When you say, "Well, there is a guy named Chapman out there," right. <laughs> and you think, "No way, they're giving giving that sort of money." But if it if it drones on a little bit more maybe he does sign a three or four year opt out after one or two deal eh, you never know wouldn't that be something Hoskins oh that'd be huge. On, on the corners whoa yep that would be huge i mean that would be the hey we pushed our chips to the middle of the table and we're going yep. for it as much as the brewers could ever go for it you know what i mean big time big time yeah what happens with Corbin Burns and company, guys that are on that cusp uh, of possibly being traded or you kind of lose out? What do you think they do with Corbin Burns? Yeah, it's, you know, that's been the, the, the kind of lightning rod or buzz point uh, throughout this offseason. It was really a matter of when Corbin Burns is, is going to be traded, right? So when the season ended, you look back and you say, well, you can't, you can't do a Prince Fielder here, can you? I mean, Prince Fielder ran it all the way to the wire, and, and they ended up getting nothing for him uh, back in, what, 2011. Right. So, it is, does, and everyone thought, well, Burns is going to be moved. Come on. There's negotiations going on. He's, he's got Boris. He's got this. He's got that. Well, you know, my thought at, at that time through uh, November and, and December were that, you know, I'm not quite sure there's that big of a difference in trade value in return for Corbin Burns in November, December, January, as there would be in, in July toward the deadline. Is there that much difference? You could make the argument that, you know, it's the unknown. You could make the argument that, heck, maybe they'd get more in July because the team is then desperate. So, you know, the fact that they signed Hoskins would be a shocker then if they pulled back the reins and traded Burns. Burns isn't right. going anywhere. Adamas isn't going anywhere. Now, will they go somewhere if the team falters through the first three months of the season? Probably. At, at that point, you're probably going to have to say, hey, you know what? I don't feel it. Look what Doug Melvin did down in Texas. He was, he was uh, in, what, two games out or one game out down in mm-hmm. Texas, and he ended up pulling the plug and just said, Hey, you know, I don't think this team has has the the, the burn to, to go for it. So he, he pulled the plug, white flag trade sort of thing. I, that could happen here. But in the meantime, this is a division that's winnable, and I think they see it that way. And, and I don't think anyone's going anywhere. If anything, they're going to add to it. Uh, what do you think of the rest of the National League Central? I, I, I'm reading a lot about what Cincinnati has done. Now, Cincinnati had a really terrific offense last year, but they just didn't have the pitching to be able to kind of you know get over everything, and they faltered a lot. Then, obviously, St. Louis, who we've always looked at as one of the cream of the crop, they weren't last year. They were terrible. Then you've got Craig Council and whatever kind of effect he's going to have on the Chicago Cubs. What do you look at uh, as far as the next competitor in the National League Central? Cincinnati's uh, definitely – 
improved and they're sinking some money into that payroll finally and they've got some nice young players they're they're going to improve a little bit uh year to year uh pittsburgh you know maybe a little bit before their time and i don't know you know there's there's always that one team in each league that are like wow where did these guys come from i don't think yet it's pittsburgh so it then does come down to Cincinnati, Chicago, and St. Louis. And St. Louis, you know, pitching was a big part of their, their issue. And they, they brought in some really heavy hitters uh, in the rotation, Gibson and company, to uh, kind of fortify that rotation. They, they're they're going to be competitive. They, they really are. And anyone, you're fooling yourself if you count St. Louis out. They they know what they're doing. Uh, it's a, Again, from their perspective, same as uh, here in Milwaukee, it's it's a winnable division. And then you get to Craig Council and the Chicago Cubs, and I just wish nothing but loss after loss after loss to that team <laughs> and him. And, and, and I just – every you know what? It's almost like having a second game to follow, uh, you know, all summer long. It, it's like, okay, I'll get off the air after the postgame show. And it's like, all right, where are the Cubs? Oh, they're out west. Good. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going for San Francisco here. I want them to lose and lose so heavily that it's just egg all over face. Now, again, I don't think that'll happen, but I'm, I can I can hope for it. It's surprising, though, Bill. Finally, uh, just on Chicago here, it's surprising that you bring in a manager of that stature. Uh, you pay him what you're paying him, and then you're just the most silent free agent team in all of baseball in the third largest city in America. Right, sort of baffling to me. Yeah, I I would agree. Uh, I thought they were going to be in on a lot of other salaries, on a lot of other free agents, and they just they haven't done it. I, and I don't I don't specifically know why, unless they're waiting for one more season to see what it is they actually have. Uh, real yeah. quick, speaking of managers, uh, I mean I know you've got a great relationship with Pat Murphy. How excited are you for him? My goodness, um, I am really fascinated to see. You know, where Murph's philosophies are going to come from. So we all know that it's that it's in him. He's a long-time baseball guy. He's just a baseball guy. He's a baseball rat in the coaching staff. He just is. You know, so he's got it within him to have his own philosophies. But what has he learned, you know, at this level with Craig Council and the Milwaukee Brewers? Are we going to see a little more gut? Are we going to see, you know, the same matchup type, lefty-lefty, this guy's hot, but even though even though he's hot, we're going to sit him because the matchup doesn't look right? Uh, how does he handle a bullpen? That's going to be the tough one to me. I, I don't believe anyone in baseball handled the bullpen better than Craig Council, and I'll give him credit on that. It's one of the biggest reasons why this, this organization has been successful is his management of that bullpen. Does Murph have one, the fascinating part, what does he use philosophically within him? And then what did he pick up from his time here? And I won't say from Craig, but you might want to throw that in there. But in his experience, it'll be, uh, it's, it's quite fascinating to me. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just don't know. Is he going to play? People argue about small ball. Is he going to bunt more? Is he going to bunt more? I tend to doubt it. Nobody really does it a lot. So we'll see. We'll, we'll wait and see. Tim, always great stuff. I appreciate it. Good to chat with you, my friend. And I look forward to baseball season just so we can do this all the time. Any time. We'll talk all summer. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. Tim Allen, host of the Baseball Postgame Show, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline.
Good stuff. Good stuff to hear from Tim Allen. I uh, love talking baseball. love just chatting, kind of picking some of the obvious and then picking his brain on some of the things that we've already discussed just to see if there's a difference of opinion there. Always, always, always good. Always good. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step out. We'll take a quick break. I know there's been kind of a, a couple of warbles of sound. I think it's more through the uh, uh, over on the live stream. I think it's more through the live stream feed than it is anything else. But uh, we'll, we'll check into that uh, during the break. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. to have you back the bill michael show continuing on great to have tim allen on talk a little baseball with him uh, from a little bit earlier and uh in the last segment and kind of pick his brain about what he thinks regarding the milwaukee brewers and and moving forward i i'm like a lot of you i'm excited about the brewers season um i'm i don't know what to expect i don't know if you can ask for much more than what they gave you last year i don't know uh i think the only thing i'm hoping for is um, to be a a step up, you know, when you get the Garrett Mitchells, you get the South Freelix, you know, obviously, you know, we talked a little bit about Joey Weimer, uh, Bryce Terang. You're looking for those guys to take that step up. Hoskins gives you what you're hoping for. You know, he doesn't even have to be better than what you're hoping for. He just gives you what you're hoping for. The numbers you're hoping for, Contreras is back. And I, you know, again, I go with the linchpin that, you know, if you get Adamas to give you the power numbers, but to give you a little bit better average, and Christian Yelich can go back to being 275 to 285. Um, man, you've you've got something if that you know that pitching staff holds up. Yeah, but I think the one thing, knock on wood, is that you gotta, you know, injuries are always the X factor for how many players you'll go through in an entire season, and that's always the biggest uh, the biggest if. You know, same thing in football, same thing in anything really, but. Uh, for baseball, it can be so tricky uh, when it starts to affect your starting rotation. So if you do have issues, you hope that it's not mass issues. And uh, you hope that you can uh, sustain them for a short period of time. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this team can do as I well, as well I think a lot, of, a lot of Brewers fans are as well. All right, we got two down, two yet to go. We still got a lot more to talk about as well. We're going to talk some Doc Rivers. We're going to talk some, some Bucks basketball. They're taking it back in Damestown tonight. Back in Portland, going to talk a little bit more about this Packers team as well. We got a whole lot more coming up. Whole lot more coming up. Don't go anywhere. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next.